Welcome to the legacy teachings of Bill Anzavino, pastor of Christian Assembly Church since 1979. Though these teachings are decades old, we invite you to get out your Bible, take notes, and get ready to receive the uncompromised teaching of God's Word. For more information about Christian Assembly Church, please visit us online at cafamily.net. To the book of Numbers, the 23rd chapter. And we are going to continue our lesson called The Integrity of the Word of God. The Integrity of the Word. While you're finding the 23rd chapter, we're going to look at verse 19. I want to say that the integrity of God's Word is our basis for our faith. The integrity of the Word of God is the basis for our faith. Knowing that God cannot lie gives us the full assurance that if we stand upon His Word, the promise is forthcoming. Did you hear that? The integrity of the Word of God is our basis for our faith. It's the basis for our faith. The fact that God cannot lie gives us full assurance that when we stand upon His Word without wavering, the promise is forthcoming. Now, in the 23rd chapter of the book of Numbers, we will begin reading with verse 19. That's the only verse we'll read. God is not a man that he should lie, neither the Son of Man that he should repent. Hath he said, and shall he not do it? Or hath he spoken, and shall he not make it good? God is not a man that he should lie. Now, we found out, and you don't have to turn to it at this time, but in Hebrews 6.18 said, God, it is impossible for God to lie. That's what it says, and we'll see it maybe a little later on. It is impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. If He said it, He'll do it. If He had spoken, He will make it good. It is impossible for God to lie. Titus 1, 2 says, God cannot lie. God who cannot lie. Who cannot lie. Now it's impossible for God to lie. And we find out in Titus that God cannot lie. But there's something I'd like to add to that. That I think is even more important than the fact that God cannot lie and will not lie. In the 89th Psalm and verse 34, we're told that God will not break His covenant, nor will He alter. Nor will He alter the words or the things that has gone forth out of His lips. He cannot lie, He will not lie, nor will He alter at all. Anything that's gone forth out of his lips 
And you know, I think we've got a lot of people that have altered the things that's gone out of Jesus' lips. Like, let me give you an example. Jesus said, If ye abide in me, and my words abide in you, ask what you will, and it will be done unto you. And you'll go on and hear people say, Yeah, if it's his will. Well, see, that's altering the word of God. That's altering the thing that's gone out of his lips. He didn't say if it be his will. The scripture said, if you abide him and the word abides in you, ask what you will and it will be done for you. Over there in John 14, chapter verse 13, he said, whatsoever you ask or demand of your rights and privileges in my name, I will do it. I will do it. Verse 14, ask anything in my name and I will do it. Now, someone said, yeah, but you know, it might not be his will for that to happen. Well, you altered the word of God. You altered the thing that's gone out of his lips. He didn't say that. He said, ask anything in my name and what? I will do it. Well, did he mean that? Well, why did he say at the end of that, if it be my will? Why should you say that? He didn't say that, and I shouldn't say that either. Okay? We're going to lay a little bit of a foundation for you. Now, that's what he said. In other words, I've learned to take the Word of God just for what it says. He said that, and if he said that, then he meant that. He meant what he said, and he said what he meant. Okay. He will not break his covenant. He will not alter the thing that's gone forth out of his lips. You are in covenant with God. If God said you have something, then you have something. If God said you could have something, then you could have it. If He promised you something in His Word, then it's yours. Now, that is not taking away from the... From the uh, some people say you're taking away from the sovereignty of God when you talk like that. You're not talking away from God. You're not taking away from God's sovereignty talking like that. God is the one that in His sovereignty wrote the Bible. And in His sovereignty, He wanted to. And in His sovereignty, He made Himself one with His Word. And in His sovereignty, He gave you some promises. And said, if you'll meet up to the demands of those promises, you'll have the promise. Now, that does not take away from God's sovereignty, but instead it adds to it. And says that in His great sovereignty, He limited Himself to His Word. Isn't that right? So, when God, you see a promise in the Bible, and it says whosoever or whatsoever, etc., etc., and says you can have something, just put your name right in there and say, bless God, it's mine, and God has to honor His Word. I want to get that across to you. He has to honor His Word. And we'll bring it out a little bit more as we go along. Well, then someone said, if God cannot lie, and He said we can have some wonderful things here, then, uh, you know, where's, where's the problem lie? How come not everybody's getting their prayers answered? How come people are having so much trouble? Well, turn to John six sixty three, and I'll show you why. Hallelujah. In John six sixty three. You'll find the answer. I know most of you know it. But it's good to look at it again. Let not the word depart from before your eyes. 
It is the spirit that quickeneth, the flesh profiteth nothing, the words that I speak unto you, the words that cannot lie, they are what? Say that with me. God's word is spirit. Spirit. They are spirit. See, they are spirit. They are spirit. They are spirit. They are spirit. The word is spirit. 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 Okay? The word of God is spirit. And they are life. Now hold that thought. The word is spirit and life. Now the word is received into the human spirit. The word, and you better write this down. The word is received into the human spirit as a seed. Immediately, when you pray or whatever you're believing God for, whatever you're saying, whatever part of the word you need, it's immediately received into your spirit, the human spirit. Then, the word must be brought forth from the spirit into the physical realm. Now, the word that cannot lie is spirit. The word is received into the human spirit as a seed. The word has got to be brought forth into the physical realm. In order for it to enter into the physical realm, it has got to come through the right door, which is the human spirit. There's where the problem lies with most people. They think that everything pertaining to God has got to be done in an instant. instance. It's got to be done immediately. It's got to be done before your physical eye. If they don't see some great, wondrous, mighty signs, the moment that they pray, then they figure I'm a flat failure and the Word's not working in my life. Well, let me say this. God is a spirit. You are a spirit. The Word is spirit. God is a spirit. You are a spirit. The Word is spirit. When you receive the Word, you will receive it immediately into your spirit. But you have a soul and you live in a body. And the thing you're trying to do is to get the Word from your spirit into the natural world or to the physical world. Isn't that right? In a lot of cases, you're trying to get it into your own body, let's say for healing. Beloved, there's not a person in this room here tonight that when you pray and ask God to heal you, you immediately receive that healing word into your spirit. God sent His word and healed them. It comes right in. That word's right in there. It's in there. The problem is not getting the word from God into your spirit because God does it that way. The problem is getting it from the spirit into the natural. See, go to John 10 and I'll show you something here. Jesus set the pattern for this. Let's say God the Father set the pattern for this. I like to say it like this. The Word must gain legal entry into the physical world because this is not God's world. Satan is the God of this world. Adam turned it over to the devil. Isn't that right? Okay. Satan is the God of this world. God created it, but Satan is the God of it now. We know that. The Bible tells us that. So in order for God to get anything to you and to me, it's got to be done through a legal channel. 
It's got to be done through a legal channel. God is a spirit. You are a spirit. Now, I'm going to show you something here in John 10. Verse 1. Verily, verily, I say unto you, he that entereth not by the door into the sheepfold, but climbeth up some other way, other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he that entereth in by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. There are many that came in the name of Christ that were false prophets and false Christs or antichrists. They came in, but they did not come in by the right door. Now, this is not the same door that we're going to see later on in this verse, chapter here. The door he's talking about is the door that leads from that spiritual world into this world. It is the door of the human spirit. Jesus came in by the door. The only way he could have legal access into this world would be by birth. Isn't that right? And was Jesus not the Word that was made flesh? Is He not called the Logos, the Word of God? And to get from that spiritual world into this physical world, He had to come in by the human spirit of an individual named Lee Mary. When Mary received that Word, and she looked up into heaven and said, So be it unto me, even as thou wilt. She became a door. She became a channel. She became a vessel so that that word, that is spirit, could come into her spirit and be born into the physical world. Jesus, His legal entry came in by the human spirit. All right. We're not going to change the pattern of that. He's still the word. And the word to work in, in our physical realm has got to come in by the door of the spirit world. Let's go on and just finish this and so that we can see something here. To him the porter openeth, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calleth his own sheep by name, and leadeth them out. And when he putteth forth his own sheep, he goeth before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice, and a stranger that will they not follow. But will flee from him, for they know not the voice of strangers. This parable spake Jesus unto them, but they understood not the things were, were, which he spake unto them. Then said Jesus unto them, again, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I am the door. Now he becomes the door. I am the door of the sheep. All that ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. By me, if any man enter in, he shall be saved and shall go in and out and find pasture. The thief cometh not before to steal, to kill, and to destroy. I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. Jesus came in through the door, and Jesus then became the door. The door to what? Well, he said to them over there in the 14th chapter, he said, Let not your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you. If I go to prepare a place for you, I'll come again and receive you unto myself, that where I am, ye may be also. And whether I go, you know, and the way you know. Thomas said unto him, Lord, we don't know whether thou goest, and how can we know the way? Jesus said unto him, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by me. Isn't that right? So he became the door. The doorway back into the way that was lost. The doorway back into the presence of the Almighty God. He came in by the door. He gained legal entry into this world. See, He gained it legally into this world through the human spirit. And then when He came, He died, He gave His life, and then He was the doorway out of this world. Bless God forevermore. We'd never have a way to get back to the Father if He didn't become the door. Let's go to Hebrews, the sixth chapter. Like I said, I'll, I'll take you there now and I'll show you. He is our forerunner. Hallelujah. Oh, glory to God. This will enlighten you tonight. 
16, verse 16. For men verily swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is to them an end of all strife. Wherein God willing more abundantly to show unto the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel, confirmed it by an oath that by two immutable things in which it was impossible for God to lie, we might have a strong consolation who have fled for refuge to lay hold upon the hope set before us, which hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which entereth into that within the veil, whither the forerunner is for us entered even Jesus. Jesus was our forerunner. He came into this world. You came into this world. You were in this world, blessed be God, with no place to go in this world. As a matter of fact, the Bible tells us with, God, with man it's impossible for, for us to be saved. Isn't that right? It was impossible for man to be saved. There, we got the legal door into this world through birth. But blessed be God, there was no legal door out of this world except to the doorway of death. Isn't that right? But someone named Jesus, hallelujah, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he left glory and he came down legally. He came in by the door. He came in through legal entry into this world. He was born of a virgin, born of flesh. And when he came into the world, he says, I have left the Father, I come into the world, and now I'm going to leave the world. I'm not going to hell, I'm going back into my Father from whence I came. Hallelujah. And whether I go, you know the way, just follow me, bless God, and you'll be there with me. That where I am, you may be also. So blessed be God. He says, I am now the door, the doorway from death unto life. Blessed be God. He is our forerunner. And we're following Him right on through. Isn't that right? Now, the Word works in the same way. He is the Word, but the Word, the, literal, the Word of God here that we have, the written Word of God, gains entrance into this world by the same door, the door of the human spirit. God has spoke His Word. When you receive the Word into your spirit, that Word will gain legal entry into the natural world. If you will keep it inside your spirit, if you will receive it, if you'll... I understand it. If you'll keep it in your heart with patience, it will begin to produce that life into this life. That's how it works. That's how the Word works. God cannot lie. He will not lie. He never will lie. So let's put it this way. God's primary way of transferring His blessings. As a matter of fact, you need to write this down. Write it down. Write it down. God's Primary way, primary way. I'm not saying it's the only way. Because blessed be God, there are other ways. Thank God for the other ways. But those other ways are not like this way. This way is the best way. Because this way will work for you all the time. God's primary way of channeling His blessings to His people is through... If I go too fast, just taller. The legal door of man's human spirit by his word, by his word, God's primary way of channeling his blessings to his people is by the legal door of the human spirit through the word, by the word. 
That's God's primary way. And I said, if you'll receive the Word, understand the Word, keep the Word in your heart with patience, that Word then will grow forth from the Spirit unto the physical. Now listen. It's not a matter of God getting, it, getting the answer to you. You know that many people have died on deathbeds when the Word was actually beginning its work inside their spirit and working its way to the outside? Listen, let me say that again. A lot of people who were on their deathbeds and asked God to heal them, when they did, the healing came into their spirit by the Word. And it began to work in them. But the Word didn't have enough time to get from the Spirit into the natural man before the person died. Because the person, and most people don't know how to get it from the Spirit into the natural realm. And that's the primary thing that we're supposed to learn in the Word of God, is how to let the Word work in us. So we can get it from the Spirit into the natural. Now listen, God's Word is Spirit. It's Spirit. It's Spirit. It comes into the Spirit through legal entry, through your faith. When you believe, it comes. Isn't that right? Okay. There's no problem when you ask God for it. But because people don't understand the operation of the kingdom of God within the heart, the Word never gets from the Spirit into the natural without them uprooting the Word or pulling out the seed of God's Word. The Word is incorruptible. There's integrity in the Word of God. And I'm going to show you through the Word of God just how the Word, through religious tradition and doctrines and commandments of men, is actually ineffective in the heart. It's ineffective in anybody's life who is filled with doctrines and traditions and religious beliefs and commandments of men. But the Word, if, you're, if it's allowed to stay in your heart, it will be effective. Now, go to the book of Isaiah, the 55th chapter. When that Word is received into the heart of the believer... When it's received, it's understood, and it's kept or protected in the heart with patience, the Word will give access, see, this will give access for the Word to this natural world or to the physical realm. Now, when I say that, I mean any, anything you need in this physical world, anything you need will come from the Spirit into the natural if you'll learn how to do it. And then it'll begin to produce fruit from the Spirit into the natural. Don't you remember Jesus says, I am the vine, you are the branches, and you're supposed to bear the fruit? Isn't He glorified when we bear much fruit? Isn't, didn't Jesus say in Mark 4 that the Word is just like a seed that grows inside the heart of the believer and begins to produce 30, 60, 100 fold? Didn't Jesus say that? Well, then why, you say, why in the world did God do it this way? Why doesn't God just zap down from heaven and just say, Whammo, there's your healing. Whammo, there's your money. Whammo, there's everything you need. You know, pow, there it is, just like that. Because that's, he wish he could do that. That would be illegal. He's only limited in that area. We call that the gifts of the Spirit. We call that what, some people put the gifts of the Spirit and the spectacular above the Word of God. And they should not do that. That is not God's norm. He doesn't do it. That's not the norm for getting your deliverance or whatever you need from God. That will not do you much good. Maybe at the moment it will, but as you grow, in your, as you grow along with the Lord, if you're just going to depend on that, 
Some people just say, well, man, I went to this service and I got healed. Poof, just like that. Blessed be God. Yeah, five years ago. What happened in the last five years? Well, you know, I got this and I got that and I got this and I got that. And I just can't seem to get my healing. Well, it, it helps you for a moment. But I'll tell you what, because you didn't learn this way, you lost it. And you didn't learn this way, you didn't know how to get your healing every time, all the time. But if you'll learn this way, you'll walk in total victory. Some people don't like to hear that, but I do. I'm going to keep on shouting it. Amen? Okay. Now, Isaiah, the 55th chapter, and verse 11. Well, let's start with verse 10 because it shows you how. For as the rain cometh down in the snow from heaven, and returneth not thither, but watereth the earth, and maketh it bring forth in bud, that it may give seed to the sower, and bread to the eater, so shall my word be that goeth forth out of my mouth. It shall not return unto me void. Void. Circle the word void. But it shall accomplish that which I please, and it shall prosper in the thing whereto I sent it. Well, if he sent his word and healed them, then the thing that the, the prosperity of it is you getting your healing, isn't it not? Isn't that right? He sent his word for a purpose, not for it to come back to me void. I sent my word for you to receive that word and be saved, delivered, healed, and set free. I didn't send my word to you so that you come back to me void. That's not my purpose in giving you my word. But it's just the same way. Just as the rain and the snow and the dew and everything come down from heaven and waters the earth and so they can bring forth and bud and produce fruit, so is my word so that when it comes into the heart of the believer and work made of the earth, it goes into the heart of the believer... And it's watered and nurtured, you see, through the Word of God and through the teaching process. It will begin to bring bud and to bring forth fruit. And that's exactly what he's saying. It will not be void. It will not be empty. But it will produce fruit. Now, in Luke 1.37, circle the word void. That's the key word. Go back to Luke 1.37. I'm going to give you a translation, really, a more literal translation of this passage of Scripture. This is Mary. When she said... Uh, be done to me according to thy word. I'll show you how the word works. Actually, that word void means it won't be empty of power or power of fulfillment. It will not be empty of power of fulfillment. There's enough power in that word to bring it to fulfillment. I'm going to read it to you from Luke 1.37 in the Amplified Bible. You may, I don't think you have it written this way in the King James Version, but I studied it out in the Greek, and you look up in your Greek concordance, you find out that really the King James is really far off on this, in this translation. This is from the Amplified Bible. It's, it's, it's more literal. For with God nothing ever impossible, now listen to the phrase, and no word from God shall be without power or void of power or impossible of fulfillment. No word from God shall be without power. No word from God shall be void of power. My word shall not return unto me void. So no word from God is void or empty of power. No word from God. It's not possible that God's word can go forth and not be fulfilled. That is impossible. It's impossible for God to lie. God cannot lie. It's impossible for His word not to produce. That's what He's saying. Mary said, Beat unto me according to thy word, bless God. And it was powerful enough to produce. Isn't that what it said? Isn't that what happened? Well, look at Hebrews, the fourth chapter. We're talking about the integrity of the word of God. I'll show you something here before we actually get into it. We want to lay a foundation. Hebrews 4. 
It shall not be void of power. God's word is not void of power. God's word is not empty of power. Okay, verse 12. Again, I'm going to read to you from the Amplified Bible. For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power. Now, the King James says, For the word of God is quick and powerful. So it's the same, on the same order. But listen to these other words. For the word, of God, the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. It's active, it's operative, it's energizing, and effective. The word that God speaks is full of power, and no word, every word of God, there's not one word of God that shall be void of power or without power to fulfill what that word says. No word. Every word from God is full of power. It is active. It is effective. It is operative. Every word from God is full of power. Okay. Now, you say, I know that. And the Bible says in Matthew 7, 7, Ask and you shall receive. And I asked, and I didn't get it. And I asked, and I didn't receive. God who cannot lie. No word from God shall be void of power. No word shall come back empty. What happened? Didn't Jesus say, Ask and ye shall receive? Did he lie? Did he say, If you abide me more than you ask, but you will shall be done unto you? Did you ask? Yeah, I asked. Was it done unto you? No. Why? Mustn't have been his will. Ooh. Shame on you. Shame, 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 shame. I, I like to get tough in this area because this is what makes it right here. Knowing that God cannot lie is the basis for my faith. And when I know he cannot lie... I'll stand there when everybody else comes and says, Oh, it's not God's will for you to have it. And you know, maybe God, want, maybe God has this in it. And maybe, maybe He wants you to get this glory out of this sickness. Or maybe He wants this to happen. Or maybe He wants that to happen. Or maybe, you know, God wants this to happen. Listen, all those other things, they're altering the Word of God. If God said something in His Word, friends, it will not be altered. It will be true. It will not be void of power or fulfillment. It will be fulfilled in your life. In the seventh chapter of the Gospel of Mark, begin reading with verse 11. But you say, if a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban, that is to say a gift by whatsoever thy mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And you suffer him no more to do aught for his father or his mother. Underline this. Making the word of God of none effect. 
which you have through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. Now, now let's let's stop here for a minute. We just read that the word of God is full of power. The word of God shall not come back void. The word of God shall accomplish that which I please. It'll prosper wherever I set my word. The word of God is quick and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword. It is active. It is operative. It is energizing. It is effective. But, Jesus said, through your tradition, you have made the word of God of none what? That word effect, I looked it up, it, in the Greek is A-K-U-R-O-O. And the word means, it signifies to render void. To deprive of force or authority. Now let's read that again. You have made the Word of God to be deprived of its force and authority and be void of the power it has to bring fulfillment in your life. Through what? Through what? Through their what? Oh, but brother, I always thought we were supposed to pray, if it be thy will. Yeah, who taught you that? Tradition. And I'm going to show you by that one little phrase, it has actually made the Word of God of none effect in the lives of many believers. Empty of power. It was deprived of the authority and the power it had to produce for that child of God. It could not come from the Spirit into the natural world. It was deprived of that authority. Think about that. Every time we doubt God's Word, we deprive it of the authority and the power it has to produce in our lives. Okay. Let's go. And I'll give you an example. In Matthew's... Well, you, you know the story. The uh, leper came unto him over there in the 8th chapter of Matthew's Gospel. And uh, he came down from the mountain, there came a leper unto him, saying unto him, If thou wilt, thou canst make me clean. If thou wilt. Jesus stretched forth his hand and touched him, saying... Now notice, the healing did not come when he touched him, but the healing came after he said... Now mark this, this is the only time in the Bible that anybody ever came to Jesus and asked it, if it be your will to heal. It's the only time. Faith in God rests on more than mere ability. Everybody knows God has the ability to do it. Isn't that right? We all know that. But faith rests on God's willingness to do it. Now when Jesus stretched forth His hand and touched him... Before the man could actually be healed, before the power and the authority in his word could go from him into that man, he had to get away from that religious tradition. 
and answered the man's question by saying two words. I will. Beloved, if you could see the spirit of man, I believe that you and I could stand there and watch that leper's spirit and watch chains of darkness just fall right off. I, I, you could just see faith activated at the moment Jesus said, I will, because when he said, I will, the dot was removed from the man's spirit, faith was ignited, and the power was not deprived. And the authority was not deprived. It went from Jesus into the leper, and his will was done. Amen? Okay, so then... God's Word will be deprived of its authority and deprived of its power to bring to fulfillment your desire through, right now we saw through tradition in Mark 7. I want to show you something else about the same thing. Go to Galatians, the third chapter. The book of Galatians in the third chapter. And verse 17, you know, there's a lot of people, well, I'll tell you what, I, all of us, I'm not going to say a lot, I'm going to say all of us, all of us as born-again, spirit-filled Christians, through not understanding and knowing the operation of the Word of God, the Kingdom of God in our hearts, we have deprived the authority and the power of the Word of God, of the Word of God, We've deprived it from working effectually in our lives to bring to fulfillment all the desires of our heart. And you know, it's like you and your child. And your child gets to a point in life that he doesn't want anything from his parents any longer. And the child deprives the parent of doing the things he really wants to do for his child because the child will not receive it. How do you think that would hurt a parent? That you really wanted to do things for your child, but they deprive you of that privilege. Wouldn't you be hurt? You want to do so much for them? Beloved, God wants to do so much for you. God wants to heal you more than you want to be healed. God wants to deliver you more than you want to be delivered. God wants to meet your need more than you want your need met. God is so full of love. He wants to give you all the bountiful blessings that He has to store up there when you get up there now right here on this earth. But we have deprived Him of getting the authority of His Word from there and we've blocked out the legal entry into this realm because we have not understood nor operated in the Word of God like we should be. But we have received it in tradition, in doctrine, in commandments of men, and we brought the Word of God to none effect in our lives because of lack of understanding. And then we go off and say, Oh Lord, why me? It's not His fault. It's our fault. And I'd be the first to admit it. And that, beloved, is not taking away from God's sovereignty. That is putting us in humility before God. If it doesn't work, beloved, God did not lie. Amen? All right, let's see this. 17. And this I say, 
that the commandment, that the covenant that was confirmed before of God in Christ, the law, which was 430 years later, cannot disannul that it should make the promise of none effect. Let's read it like this. It cannot disannul that it should make the promise without power or void or without authority to be effective. That's the same word. What's he saying here? Well, God promised to Abraham many things. But the promise that was made to Abraham, just because the law was added 130 years later, the promise that was made to Abraham was not affected by the law. Even though the law was given, the law was not given to make the promise ineffective. The promise did not lose its power. The promise did not lose its authority. And if anybody, like the Jews, anybody that was a Jew under the law, if they would have realized that they could live by the promise given to Abraham and not by the letter of the law, then the word that was given to Abraham in the promise would be effectually working in them even at that day. And they could have lived above the law. Like Abraham. Abraham didn't have a law. And the law would not make the promise of God ineffective. But what did they do? They made the law their God. They lived by the law. They misquoted the law. They misinterpreted the law. They lived by the letter of the law. They walked only by the letter of that law. And that letter of the law brings forth death. And so because they lived by the letter of the law, they made the promise given to Abraham ineffective in their life. They made the promise given to Abraham void of power in their life. They made the promise given to Abraham without authority in their life. Because they clung to doctrines and commandments of men. Go to Matthew 15. We'll see the same thing that Mark said, but only in a little different way. No, the word's not without power. It's powerful. It is active. It is operative. It is energizing. It'll work effectually in you. Let's see something here. Verse, let's start with verse 1. Then came to Jesus, scribes and Pharisees, which were of Jerusalem, saying, Matthew 15, 1. Why do thy disciples transgress? Now, underline this. The tradition of the elders... Why do thy disciples transgress the tradition of the elders? For they not wash not their hands when they eat bread. Jesus is so anointed with wisdom. Look at the answer he gives. But he answers unto them, Why do you also transgress the commandment of, not the elders, of God by your tradition? He didn't answer their question. He said, why do he, he answers their question with a question. Why do you transgress the commandments of God through your tradition? Well, for God commanded, saying, Honor thy father and thy mother, and he that cursed father or mother, let him die to death. But you say, Whosoever shall say to his father or his mother is a gift by whatsoever, whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, and honor not his father or his mother, he shall be free. Thus have you made the commandment of God of none effect. By your what? Okay, you hypocrites. Oh, dear God. Well, did Isaiah prophesy of you saying, listen to this. This people brought nigh unto me with their mouth. Their mouth. 
and honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. I'm only going to insert this because I feel I should. Make your positive confessions between you and God. Don't go off and starting, start honoring God to everybody with your mouth when you know your heart is far from Him. Beloved, that's where people are getting up, upset and uptight about this positive confession. And I know never, I said, I said it before, I said it again, I don't teach positive confession. I teach believing from your heart, it'll cause you to confess with your mouth. And you won't have to watch what you say then because it'll come out of your heart. You come out of your mouth from your heart. Oh, it'll be positive, all right. But just honoring God with your lips won't bring you a hill of beans. Okay? I want to say that and clarify it and get you to understand that. But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. In vain. With their mouths they worship me, teaching for doctrines, commandments of men, making the word of God of none effect in any of their lives. Whoa. They seemed to get their own commandments out of the law, didn't they? Now, I said before, they could have lived by faith. They could have lived by the promise of Abraham if they would have received the spirit of the, of the word, of the law, and not the letter of the law. If they would have just had their hearts right with God. If they from their spirits would have believed God and received the Word of God in their spirit and allowed it to come forth. And I'll show you some fellow who did it. As a matter of fact, he was complimented by Jesus. Let's go to... Um, we're in Matthew here. Let's go to uh, Mark 12. That's where it's at, Mark 12. And let's take a look at verse 28. Verse 28. Mark 12. And one of the scribes came and having heard them reasoning together and perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all? And Jesus answered him, the first First of all, the commandments is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. This, there is none other commandment greater than these. Now here's a scribe. Taught the same thing as these other ones were taught. Came to Jesus just like the other ones came. Look at his answer. And the scribe said unto him, Well, Master... Thou hast said the truth, for there is one God, and there is none other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, with all the understanding, with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself, look at this last phrase, is more than all whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. You got them words from somebody who was a Jew under the law who lived by burnt offerings and sacrifices, but he didn't just receive the letter of the law, he saw the spirit of the, of the law. 
He saw that walking in love and loving God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, loving your neighbor as yourself was far greater than all the burnt offerings and all the sacrifices you could make. What happened between the two? This guy made the Word of God effective in his life. Look at the answer Jesus gives to the man. And when Jesus saw that he answered discreetly or with soundness of mind, or we would say with a renewed mind, Jesus said, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. He said, This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. But this fellow, he is not far from the kingdom of God because he's honoring me from his heart. From where? Beloved, the Word of God, I don't care how many times you say it, it's got to be in your heart. And when it is in your heart, and you're honoring God from your heart, you could boldly say it and proclaim it and bless God. It's got to come to pass. It's got to come to pass. I said it's got to come to pass. It has to come to pass because God can't lie. Get it from your heart to the natural world. It'll come. Now, here's our conclusion. Although the Word of God is full of power and effective, and God cannot lie, tradition, religion, doctrines, commandments of men will deprive the Word of God from its power, its force, and authority to produce in your life. That's our conclusion. That says nothing about God didn't want to do something for you. That says, if you will take the pure, unadulterated Word of God and stand on the Word of God and put that Word in your heart, in a sincere heart, and not move off the Word that God gave you, that Word will become alive and full of power, effectually working in you to heal your body, to set you free, to deliver you, to give you anything that it promised to give you. It will come from the spirit world into the natural world. It will gain legal entry through the authority and the power of the working of God's Word from the spirit man unto the outward man. Unless you deprive it of its authority through your tradition, religion, and commandments of men. He said, but I've always prayed if it, will, if it be thy will, Lord. Well, stop it. Stop it. That's religious tradition. Well, we've always done it that way. Stop it. That's religious tradition. That's commandments of man. Isn't that right? Amen. Well, we'll see some more here. Go to 1 Thessalonians, the second chapter. Now, I'll show you something right here. It's a comparison right here. We see some things, and uh, I don't think we ever really dig deep enough into the Word of God to find out what we want to find out. We let somebody else make false accusations. We let somebody else uh, give you false interpretations of the Word of God. One that you could just hit. Oh, dear Lord, one I could just like to knock right out of the church is Romans 8.28. Your child falls down and breaks his leg. All things work together for good. Oh, does that grieve God? Oh. Well, someone ended up in the hospital. All things work together for good. Hogwash. Let's get that tradition out of the church. At least out of Midland. Amen? Whoever said a broken leg works for good? It doesn't work for good. What I'm talking about that. Read the whole chapter. 
funny thing about it is those kind of people that use that phrase, they say, you, you fellows take scriptures out of context. Read verse 27 and verse 29. Verse 27 doesn't say, if you fall out of your bed and break your leg and go to the hospital, all things work together for good. And verse 30 says, if the doctor comes in and hits it so hard it breaks the other leg and hey, all things work together for good. Amen? It doesn't say that. Verse 27 says, this, He that knows, searches the heart, knows what the mind of the Spirit, prays for, and makes intercession for the saints according to the will of God. And verse 29 says that we are predestined to be conformed to the image of His Son. All those things work together for good now, don't they? Get it out of your doctrine. That will make the Word of God ineffective in your life if you believe like that. Okay, 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Hallelujah. We're going to get through this. Okay? For this cause also thank we God without ceasing, because when you received the Word of God which you heard of us, you received it not as the Word of men, but as it is in truth, the Word of God which cannot lie. Look at the next part. Which effectually worketh also in you that believe. Hallelujah. You know Paul didn't say that to every church? I said, you know Paul didn't say that to every church? Go back to, hold your place there. Go back to First, first Corinthians. A little ways back. He didn't. He didn't say that to every church. Look at what he said to this church. <laughs> oh, this church at Corinth. We love you, brothers and sisters. Amen. We love them. And I, brethren, brethren, when I... Now, look at... He said to the church at Thessalonica, I didn't bring you... The, you didn't receive the word as it was the word of man, but as it truly is the word of God who cannot lie. Look at this church. And I, brethren, when I came to you, came out with excellency of speech or of wisdom, declaring unto you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and crucified, and I was with you in weakness and fear and much trembling. And my speech was, and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man. He was hollering at them. They was listening to the wisdom of man. People would come and preach the wisdom of... This is 1 Corinthians, 2nd chapter, 1 through 5. That your faith should not stand in the wisdom of man, but in the what? In the what? In the power and the authority that the Word of God brings. That's what it should stand in. But they were listening to these other men that came and preached this and preached that. He said, I didn't come to you with man's wisdom. I came to you to give you a demonstration of the Word of God and the power. And your faith should stand in. I said the integrity of the Word of God is the basis for your faith. Your faith should stand in the Word of God and not in the Word of man. And I don't care who that man that told you all things work together for good. Forget that guy. Listen to what God said. Go back to Thessalonians, first chapter. Look at what He said about this church. Verse 8. Very quickly, we'll just go through this. For from you sounded out the word of the Lord, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but also in every place. First chapter, 8 verse. But also in every place, your faith to who? To God word is spread abroad so that we need not to speak anything because your faith is standing in God and in the integrity of His Word. And it's going forth throughout all the regions. Everybody's talking about the faith you have in God. And look what it did. Next verse. 
For they themselves show of us what manner of entering in we had unto you and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God. And Paul said, the word of God, the gospel that I preach, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. It's the power of God. It's the power, the ability, the authority of God under what? Hallelujah. And you know, anybody through religious tradition that gets baptized in water says, well, bless God, I, you know, I was baptized in water. I must be all right. It, you know what it does? deprives the word, the, the authority of the word to give that guy salvation through his religious tradition. Think about that. Goes to church every, every Sunday, twice a week, three times a week. But because he thought he was saved through water baptism, his religious tradition and commandments of men has caused the word to be ineffective in his life and there's no salvation for that guy. Okay. Let's go to the third chapter of the book of Romans. Good scripture right here. You'll like this. Start with verse 1. Verse 1. What advantage then hath the Jew, or what profit is there of circumcision? Much every way. Chiefly because then unto them were, the, were committed the oracles of God. I thought about that for a minute. And what advantage does a, does a Jew have? Romans 3, 1 and 2. Well, other than this, oh, this only fact that they knew of God and they had the oracles of God given to them. They knew more about God. They should have known more about God. They knew more about God. And imagine somebody who knew about God and received Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. You think they had an advantage? You better believe they had an advantage. You get, you get a, a Jew that is, you know, completed. Look out. They, they know all about it. Boy, they go all the way back. They find Jesus in that, in that tabernacle and they'll get on fire. They'll, they know everything about it. They lived it. And boy, when they find out that Jesus was the one, look out. There's an advantage of knowing all of what they knew. Okay? We've got to go back and study it, but they knew it. Look at the next verse. For what if some did not believe? Really, this is keeping it in context like it should be now. For what if some of them Jews did not believe? Shall their unbelief make the faith of God without what? Should their disbelief make the Word of God without, in the private of its authority and its power to save, to heal, deliver, and set free? God forbid! Let God be true, Paul said, and let every man be a liar that thou mightest be justified in your sayings. I don't care how many of them refuse to accept the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. I don't care how many of them have doubts and disbelief about the gospel of Jesus Christ. Even though it could be to their advantage if they don't believe, praise God, let God be true, and let all these other men be liars that you would be justified and the word will be effectually working in your life and in your heart. That's keeping that verse 4 in context in 3. It's the same meaning we always gave you about it. But it's the same thing. It's the same thing. I don't care who you are. I don't care what you say. It won't affect me if I'll stand on the Word of God. I don't care what their teachings are, what their doctrines are, what their traditions are, what their, you know, all they come in and try to push down you and to get you to understand and to believe just because they think it's supposed to be that way. It will not make the word ineffective in your life. They told me five years ago, you're in for the biggest fall anybody is ever going to have. Well, I'm not waiting for it. Because I chose to believe God's word and not their traditions and commandments of men. And I'm not going to do it. I won't do it. I didn't do it then. I won't do it now. I never do it. And you stand on the word of God. doesn't say you'll fall. The Bible says you'll stand. Doesn't it say that? It says you'll stand. I'm standing on the word of God. 
I'm not standing on the traditions of man. And so when God says some things in His Word, and He says that they're for you, you're the believer, if He says that it's for you, and you know that it's, for, it's the Word of God declares it to be yours, if you'll not get caught up in the tradition and uh, commandments of men, beloved, if you'll take that Word, it'll work for you. It'll be effective in your life. I, sh- I said to you a scripture earlier, tying in with this, in um, Matthew 19, 26. Peter asked Jesus, he said, uh, he's talking about the rich man, he said, uh, Lord, if the rich can hardly enter into the kingdom of heaven, who then can be saved? You know, you know what Jesus said? Think about this word for a moment. We quote the last part, but how about the first part? Jesus said, with man, this is impossible. Impossible for man to be saved. And I said, oh, Lord. But with God, all things are possible. Now, do you think that God made the, took the greatest impossibility there was to man, was to be saved? He worked it out so you can be saved and through His Word, that authority of salvation would work in your life. Do you think He did all that in salvation just to say that you won't get anything else from Him? Did you think He did that? He didn't do that. All I want to say is if God said it in His Word, and I'll close it here, if God said it in His Word, He'll make it good. If God spoke it, it'll come to pass. If God said it, it'll be good. Amen? Amen. Thank you for listening to our legacy teachings. We pray today's message has a profound impact upon your life and your ministry. I want you to know that God loves you, has a great plan for your life. But if you've never made Jesus Christ Lord and Savior of your life, I'd like to invite you to do that right now. Just pray this simple prayer right after me. Just say, Heavenly Father, I come to you just as I am. And I believe with all my heart that Jesus died for my sins and was raised from the dead for me. I open the door of my heart. I call upon the name of the Lord. Lord Jesus, come into my heart now. I receive you and accept you as my personal Savior and Lord. If you prayed that prayer with me, you're a child of God right now, and I encourage you to get into a good Bible-based church where you can learn to grow in your Christian faith and experience. God bless.